Welcome to the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're here. The Plan B CRNA podcast is the only show made specifically for nurse anesthetists who are exploring options outside of their traditional career paths. This is the place to expand your mind and your goals as we uncover new ways to produce side income together. Join me for some honest, unscripted discussions with other CRNAs who are transforming their financial lives. This episode is brought to you by On-Call Capital. On-Call Capital is dedicated to educating CRNAs and other healthcare providers about investing outside of the traditional stock market. On-Call Capital also provides opportunities for you, yes, you, to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. And now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm excited today to have a longtime friend of mine on the show. Along with working full-time as a staff anesthetist at UNC Chapel Hill in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Lynn Maxey precepts Duke nurse anesthesia students, UNC anesthesiology residents, and has written two anesthesia pocket guides, the textbook Surgical Procedures and Anesthetic Complications, with multiple editions of each, and is also a co-author of the CRNA Certification Exam Review Book. She also has had four AANA journal articles published, has been a speaker at regional, state, and national, and international anesthesia meetings, and she also has a comedy routine, the ecstasy and agony of being a nurse anesthetist that she performed in Las Vegas at the AANA National Meetings Foundation Fundraiser. You can find that on YouTube. Lynn is the textbook definition of an entrepreneur. She puts herself out there and isn't afraid to try new things that are outside of her comfort zone. I couldn't be more pleased to have her on the podcast. So without further ado, Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bobby. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things we had to do a little arm twisted here, maybe to, to get you on here. But uh, man, I'm so excited to, to have you on. I think you've got a lot of value to provide to our listeners. So, Thank you. Um, you know, so w- what we were going to talk about today is, you know, you had your own education company. You know, you ran a, a travel <laughs> CEU company. And so, I want to find out, you know, where did you initially come up with the idea for education adventures for CRNAs? I had done a trip to Iceland with my daughter, and it was much easier than I thought it was going to be. This was just a personal thing, but I kind of got it in my head. How cool would it be to offer CEUs, be able to talk with people and get them to come and have, have a travel group? that they could get their education and travel to. So when I came back, I hadn't really done anything about it, but I started to become more and more frustrated with the fact that there were groups out there, even CRNA-owned groups, who only used, if they had CRNA speakers, they only used them in kind of a fluff role. They didn't have them doing pharmacology. They didn't have them doing, you know, the deeper subjects of anesthesia. Um, And I was told that there were many MDs that came to this one particular meeting and they didn't want to be taught by CRNAs. I was frustrated by that. And I found that there were other groups as well that just simply refused to have CRNA speakers. 
And I had heard about Larry Hornsby. I had not actually met him. But a doctor friend of mine, an anesthesiologist and an intensivist, had told me about Larry and said he gave a a lecture, and I actually forget the title of it right now, but he gave a lecture that was one of the best that Lou Guzzi had ever heard. And I thought, why aren't more CRNAs being utilized? So I wanted to start a company. Um, I came into some money. Uh, when my parents both died through their estate. And I thought, you know what, now might be my time. And so we used some of the money to front the development of education adventures for CRNAs. And I wanted it to be about the smartest CRNAs. And I would, I hope to use a physician if they were an intensivist just because of the things that they could offer. But primarily I wanted to use CRNA speakers. And I also wanted to go to international destinations and make it extra special. If I planned all of that out, you could. I'm sort of like a travel agent and uh, I would hire the speakers and we could make it a, a really great trip and you get your CEUs. So did you have any experience with, with- like actually being a travel agent before this, or did you just, okay. So this was just something that, Hey, I really enjoy traveling internationally. And okay. I want to offer that to other people. So, you know, you, you mentioned that there were some startup costs involved with this. Uh, Obviously with it being international, I'm assuming that some of those costs were maybe a little bit higher than uh, doing some other types of conferences. I I would think so, even though, As the company moved along into its second and third year, I became aware that more and more groups that CRNAs got education time and money for, that more and more of them did not want to reimburse for international trips. They would only pay for meetings in the country. So I wanted to find the best places in the country. I found a beautiful place in Telluride, Colorado, and even looked at some golf communities over on the east side of uh, Georgia and North Carolina. And they were very expensive as well, but they were, you know, the, the best. I don't want to go to a Hampton Inn or, and no offense, or a Holiday <laughs> Inn. <laughs> if, if I'm going to travel, I'm going to travel. <laughs> yeah, no, and I get that. And, and there's certainly, you know, it, it's nice to have that option to kind of have a, a boutique type of conference. Yes. Uh, if you will. So um, so I've heard from other speakers uh, that, that talk about getting conferences started, and they say that you should expect to be in the red for the first couple of, of in-person conferences. Uh, how did that actually play out for you? The first conference we had was at a five-star resort in Costa Rica. It was the most extraordinary place I'd really ever seen. We went down and did a site visit and it was incredible, um, but we only had 17 attendees that came for that first one, just as we're trying to get the word out. So okay. obviously we lost money with that. The second meeting was to Turks and Caicos. And with that meeting, we actually made a little bit of money, but that was because of the deals that Sandals Resorts gave to us that was the only reason why I found <laughs> found out quickly. So our third meeting was in Banff, Canada. 
So the expense of flights and the expense of paying people for speaking every hour for food, travel expenses, those kinds of things, we again lost money on it. But it was closer to a little bit of even. By the time we got to our fourth meeting, and I was so busy during the year, and I kept trying to find different places that I could go to and reach some kind of agreement with the hotels. And I just ran out of time. And so we picked to go back to Turks and Caicos, the Sandals Resort, Mm -hmm. the fourth time. And I believe there were 13 people that came to that. But we had just been there the year before. So I understood. And we were getting ready to have a wonderful meeting in Telluride the following September, which would have been September 2020. And COVID hit. And more and more people were telling me that they wouldn't allow international travel. And then with you, when you think of trying to have any meeting for the next foreseeable future, I don't know that meetings kind of like cruising on a big ship are ever going to come back the way that they were. And we were already having trouble keeping you know, the company going financially. Um, And so we just made the call to end it. And I cried and cried and cried. Mm. I loved it that we met so many amazing people. The the speakers that came, some of them I didn't know. And I actually got to meet Larry Hornsby. He came to our (laughs) Turks and Caicos meeting and he was amazing. And other CRNA speakers, and they were fantastic. But the people that were in our course, they all seemed to love it. And we had such a good time and I got to go on some amazing trips. Did you um, end up kind of doubling up on some speakers to try and mitigate some of those travel costs? Like having having a speaker come and speak a couple of times during the conference and and things like that? that I could did help try out? different things. I did. Yeah. I, you know, there were some people that approached me and said, you know, I'd like to speak for you. And I said, I can pay you to speak, but I can't pay for your travel expenses or anything mm-hmm. like that. That was one way I tried to do it. Um, I also spoke at my meetings just so that I didn't have to hire a fourth lecturer to come in because I had three lecturers, but then there were 20 hours that I needed to fill. And so I, I, tried to do it that way. Okay. Okay. So, and, and you, uh, I believe you said it was four conferences that you ended up holding, yes, right? Sir. Or, okay. Yes. Okay. And you had a fifth one planned. It just didn't work out. Um, with the, the reimbursement changing for education, like for instance, in, in my career, I never had education reimbursement as an oh. option for me, um, with the group that I worked with. And and I I'm finding that that's more common um, out there. So and I'm sure it's going to get even worse with mm-hmm. with all of the fallout from COVID. Yeah, similarly to how people had their AA and A um, coverage paid for, you know, their their membership paid for. Well, now that's been taken yes. away in a lot of places. Yes. So uh, same thing with the education money. So where do you? Where do you see things going? It, it was obvious that you were starting to make a move to some in-state things. Um, but where do you where do you see some of that stuff going? I honestly don't know. I, 
I think a lot of the smaller companies, the husbands and wives, the individuals, I don't know that they're going to be able to do it. I wish them well. I hope they can. Um, but I don't know if it's ever going to come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the big group, the one big group, I think that they've got the money and the resources and they can keep that going. Mm-hmm. Um throughout all of this, but I don't know about the smaller personally owned family owned educations, education groups for CRNAs. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning a little bit um, (coughs) of this. So what was the the toughest part about getting this whole thing rolling? Was it the organization? Was it, you know, trying to market it to people? And how, how did you do that? Let's get into some of those nuts and bolts of what it looked like. So at the very beginning, it was all hands on deck with trying to figure out where we would go, who had the bigger meeting rooms that we could make that happen, uh, who wanted our group, who would give us discounts if we had so many rooms filled, those kinds of things. But the organization of the paperwork itself became huge and trying to keep track of all of the attendees, all of the speakers, all of the contracts, all of the hotel contracts. And so I had to come and I'm so OCD that I'm CDO because it has to be in alphabetical order. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that. That's a good one. Oh, you have it? (laughs) I know. Yes, I am. Like my spices are in alphabetical order. I'm just saying. And so I had to get very, very, very organized from the get-go. And then that changed over time, and and I became even more organized because there were some things that I'd put in one place and forget. But it was about trying to reach out to speakers, find out who was interested in working with us, the contracts, the hotels, the attendees, and the travel. And we found a dear friend of ours who's a travel agent out in Missouri, and she ended up coming on board and helping us, and she got paid by the hotels. So that really helped us. She could work because I worked full time. My husband worked full time at that time. So we weren't going to be home to answer the phone for all of this. But she was always available for people who wanted to get flights and hotel rooms and all those kinds of things. So she was another very much added benefit to us making this work. Okay. Well, that's that's cool. So then, how did you how did you market it to to CRNAs? Did you get a listserv, or did you you know do do something? Uh, I mean, uh, Facebook announcements or what? Facebook. Yeah, just Facebook, mainly Facebook, okay. Twitter. Um, we're really it. We had our own Facebook page. We had our own corporate page. Um, we tried to send it out to people, friends, and colleagues that I had worked with. And then we went from there. Once we had our first meeting and people were so happy with it that they started to post things online. They just said lovely things. I found the the company for my meetings from now on, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And it was just lovely. But they helped get the word out to their friends. And there were several people that came to uh, several meetings because they had such a good time and we always went to the best place. 
the most beautiful place. But we also had amazing speakers and you learned a lot. We went from everything from anatomy, physiology, pathophysiology, pharmacology, um, money and retirement, all kinds of different subjects that would appeal to a wide range of attendees. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I was always jealous that I never got to attend one, um, you know, because I, I was on the email list and I just never got a chance to, to go <laughs> oh, to one. Have, something about <laughs> something about having three kids, you know, kind of. Really? Yeah. Three kids, you know, in, in elementary Shock. school age, you, you just don't. Uh, <laughs> you, Shock, you don't do as much international travel as, as you used to. But Oh, uh, you big chicken. <laughs> well, we're hoping to go to Switzerland next summer, but uh, we'll we'll uh, have to see about that. Um, but yeah, heard, so oh, I'm have sorry. You heard of Lauterbrunnen in yes, Switzerland? Yes. So the the town right next to it, I can't think of the name of it. You can't because I had to cancel our 35th wedding anniversary trip to Europe because of COVID. But I was going to go um, not hang gliding, but a paragliding off a mountain in Switzerland. I'm, I'm just saying you have to go oh, wow. for me. Wow. That's I want to incredible. do that so bad. Oh my God. I can't, I, I must do that. Well, that's okay. So that, that brings me to another question then. Yes, um, because you, you were called education adventures. Yes. Did you include some adventure things like paragliding off of the side of a mountain or, or things like that in uh, some of the offerings for, for what you did? It wasn't included in the price because even in Costa Rica, we went horseback riding. We rappelled down waterfalls. Um, we did the um, um, the thing where you hold on, you go across a meadow. What's the oh, uh, zip lining. Zip yes. lining. Yes. We did a zip lining thing 5,000 feet above ground through the rainforest. And we mm -hmm. did that on four different jumps. Um, it's incredible the adventures that we did have. Banff, we had such a good time in Banff. Um, and I did not have it part of the financial payment that they made, um, but it was offered to people. We did get some deals in Costa Rica by the hotel, and they had a certain percentage off. We did get that, but it, we couldn't pay for the full amount of it. Okay. So, and, and you're bringing up money. So let's, let's talk a little bit about costs. So how much okay. did it actually cost you to put on one of these conferences and, and how, how much did you stand to lose with, with one of those conferences? So when we first started out, one of the hotel, and actually the Costa Rica was the least expensive for me they gave me a room. They gave my um, the couple of people that came to help me run the meeting. They gave them a room for free. But and the people that stayed there got a discount, but they were expensive rooms. They were, you know, it's Costa Rica in the rainforest and it's beautiful. And they've got hot pools and horseback riding and all this stuff. Um, but our financial hit was for renting the hotel essentially or our part of the hotel and part of the contract and it ranged in between 5000 and 10000 per event okay but that once the meeting took place that money went towards the 
some of the food, some of the extras that we were able to give to people, um, any of our charges that we had, it went towards that. Um, and then we went from there. But that was a big, I think Turks and Caicos was 12000 okay. And so that's a big investment to go. And I had put down um, 2500 for the Telluride meeting. And when COVID happened, they have a um, process in place for emergencies or, you know, catastrophic events called force majeure. And we owed them another $9,000 before September. And when COVID hit, we're like, this is force majeure, and they were going to force us to pay it anyway. And then they came back and said, well, we won't make you pay the 9000 but we're keeping the 2500 So it was, ouch, but at least we didn't have to pay the 9000 because people who had signed up to be attendees were starting to cancel. And we, of course, were sending their money back and that kind of thing. Um, but it's the way the world works sometimes. Yeah, especially here in the last year. Yes. Um, goodness. Well, I mean, knowing what you know now, would you would you do this all over again, knowing that it it didn't turn out and and continue being a successful flourishing business? Because that's the risk you run as an entrepreneur. Right. Would you do this all over again? Absolutely, yes. I had the best time. I met the coolest people. I have several speakers who are still dear friends. I mean, we just bonded and we just had so much fun and saw beautiful places. I had a great time. I really, really did. And it was worth every minute of the organization and the work of it. Um, but it was a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine it would be to organize everything like that. I've, I mean, back in college, I helped organize a little bit of a conference and then I was the district two director for the NCA and a <coughs> so and and all I had to really do was organize speakers and that was a job in and of itself so I, I can't imagine going through the process of of actually becoming an expert in these contracts and you know with hotels and trying to figure out the best places to go and and you know how to vet these places. Uh, that had to be a huge learning curve, but, uh, huge. you know, speaking, but I did learn yeah. at the NCANA state level, I had done a meeting for, for North Carolina and mm -hmm. loved it. I loved organizing it. And we just had such a good time with that. And I, and so that gave me a little confidence to move into education adventures. Very cool. Well, do you have some parting advice, things that you would do differently for people who are thinking about this type of adventure? I I don't know that I would go into this if it was now. I'm glad that we did it and I would have kept going within the United States for one, one meeting and then the next meeting be out of the country and then let people decide as, as it went. I'm not sure that these days are going to allow that kind of meeting anymore but if you do it, it may be fun to just do something local. If you live in Florida and you want to do it on the coast, uh, people may be willing to fly down there and have some time in Sarasota, Florida, or a cool place, Washington, D.C., or Boston, or someplace. Um, I'm glad. I'm very glad that I did it. I, Like I said, I met incredible people. I'm just not sure that I would do it now. Yeah. 
So I guess making sure you know what your audience is actually willing to do, what what right. your customers are actually willing to take the plunge on. That's a, right. a and that's a big part of any business, I think. Um, right. So will you get customers? Yeah, yeah. I had lots of people who wanted to speak for me. Lots and lots and lots <laughs> and lots of people wanted to speak for me. I don't doubt that at all. I had people contacting me constantly, and I'm like, look, I appreciate that, but. I, I need attendees. Help me get attendees, you know? Yeah. You know, spread, help me spread the word. That's interesting. So, well, I, I tell you, Lynn, this has been great. And, and I really, I really appreciate your time today that, that you've spent with us. And um, any, any last things on your mind that you'd like to share with us? I'm, I'm open to it or letting people know how to get a hold of you. The first thing I would say is 2020 has been the longest 10 years of my life. And I, <laughs> I know that that's true for so many people. And we all just need to hang in there and hold on. I do think things are going to be better. And uh, I'm hoping soon. <laughs> Stop wearing this mask everywhere I go. Um, but I just love being a CRNA. And I know what value we brought to our ORs, our patients especially in the last year that people really stood up. We're working in ICUs. I mean, it's just been very difficult and I, I thankful to each and every one of us. Um, people can reach me at Lynn Maxey at gmail.com. Um, and please, I'd love to hear from you. Give me your feedback and let's be friends. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Well, Lynn, thanks again for, for coming on today. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's going to do it for us today. I hope that, uh, you know, you listeners out there got a lot of great value out of this episode. And I hope you'll join me on the next uh, Plan B CRNA podcast. What I've always loved about Lynn is just her willingness to pursue what she wants and put herself out there in the process. Sure, not every side project is going to work out, but that doesn't mean that the journey wasn't worth it. I could hear the joy in her voice when reminiscing about the different conferences she hosted and places she vacationed. We only have one life. We might as well enjoy it. That's going to do it for us today. I hope you'll join me next time on the Plan B CRNA podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by OnCall Capital. They are dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find OnCall Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page, where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.